You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. You know, Chopsky? Yeah, like a mallard duck or like thimbles with state flags on them, like little stupid things. Do you have a mallard duck and a state flag in your home? Okay. (laughs) Those would be the category. Chopsky? Mm-hmm. And what was the other word that you... A ditty. A ditty. Yeah, a ditty's like a little tune. Not like P. Diddy. No. Do you think that's where he got it from? No, a ditty is like, I feel like an old-time word. I, I feel, feel like too, but it, where did P. Diddy <laughs> jump on that? Jen D. Simone. Yes. That was the first 32 seconds of our podcast. <laughs> Great. I hope that uh, this is entertaining for everyone, uh, I was talking to you and telling you that I listened recently to interview with someone from Planet Money, one of NPR's top podcasts. One of his tips was to have something fun in the very beginning. What they always like crop to someone laughing and telling a good joke. And I always like to just start it in the beginning yeah. where, I don't know, hopefully I'm having fun with the guests and we're, mm-hmm. we're already connecting, etc. But yes, that was one of the tips. Uh, hopefully we can do that naturally. <laughs> I will introduce you officially, Jen DeSimone. Yes. You are Under 30 Experiences Chief of Community, as well as a life coach yourself. And an accomplished young woman in general. Thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, So we have a handful of things, of course, that we could talk about, aside from the two new words that uh, (laughs) you used before we started recording. Um, One of the things that we were talking about before was about eating and was about the mindset behind the food that you consume. Now there is, uh, you, you just got back from Bali, from our Under 30 Experiences Yoga and Mindfulness Retreat, mm-hmm. which ran with Luz, who was a podcast guest just a couple episodes back. Uh, and I assume that you guys talked about it, or maybe you didn't talk about this particularly during the trip, but uh, when it comes to food, There is the mindless eating in front of the TV where you're distracting yourself and uh, maybe it's emotional eating and you just want to uh, binge on whatever sugar, and I don't mean you, I mean Mm -hmm. one, (laughs) but uh, there's that type of eating and it can just be just generally not thinking about you pick something off the menu and you just eat it. And that's, you're having a conversation with somebody and not really thinking or maybe even tasting the food or really enjoying it. And a lot of people, especially women, uh, because I know that you focus on a lot of women's Mm -hmm. issues, don't necessarily feel empowered when they're eating. Uh, They don't feel like, wow, this is fuel for my body that's going to fuel my passions and the life that I want to live. Instead, you just eat to eat. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there's a lot of shame around the topic. There's a lot of guilt that comes particularly afterwards or or Mm -hmm. maybe eating in public. Uh, You know, it's it's a funny cultural norm that we have to be well-mannered while we're eating, but fear of being judged for, oh, should I order this hamburger today? Or do I need to be a vegan today? Be a vegan. And we can get into this topic. Or do I take home half of my meals? I don't eat it all at once. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, There's so much on this topic. I think it's a good place Mm -hmm. to start. Sure. What do you think about all this, Jenna? I don't know where to go from here. <laughs> Lots of thoughts. Um, so to give a little bit of background around my relationship with food, I was definitely that emotional eater. I was the person who would just sort of eat whatever when I wanted it, um, self-comfort with food, um, ate lots of carbs. I had a very carb-heavy diet, lots of refined sugars, refined flours, lots of pastas. Um, I never was really a bread eater, but still all those types of foods were the primary food in my diet. I think you have also talked about how you would eat tons of pasta and pasta. I did three things. Okay. I would eat, and this is all one thing, pasta Mm -hmm. with butter, but not even real butter with margarine, toxic margarine on top of it in a microwave. 
Yeah. I no longer eat gluten. <laughs> I can't eat deer, dairy because I found out that I'm allergic to it, but I sure as hell wouldn't eat margarine, the low-fat substitute. No, and it it's was horrible. For whatever, yeah, whatever, like, bootleg, trying-to-be-healthy yeah. version of it is. And I certainly don't use a microwave because I don't want my yeah. food being zapped with radiation mm-hmm. <laughs> before I consume it. Yeah. Yeah, I used to do that, and it was how I was raised, and it's nothing normal. against my mom. It was just the cheapest, easiest thing to we could prepare, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's easy, it's quick, it's convenient. Um, you know, a big thing that I like to talk about, too, is is access to food, um, and that's a whole separate conversation. So I do want to frame this in a, in a very sensitive way to say that, you know, if you have access to stores like Whole Foods or, or other similar types of retailers, um, that is privilege, and, and there is a lot of, of conversations that can be had around access to food, and in America particularly. But on my own journey, you know, it, it really started when I was 26, 27, so this is four or five years ago. Um, I was 40 pounds heavier than I than I am now, um, definitely at my peak weight. Um, for the listeners who have not met me or don't know me, I would not put myself in the size two, four, or six, or even eight category. Um, definitely not one of those very skinny women. Um, and I've become okay with that. I've learned to love my body on most days and definitely still have those breakdowns. I still definitely have those moments when I go back and emotionally eat. Um, but I've learned to become a little bit more okay with it, a little bit more mindful, understanding when am I eating these foods and why am I eating these foods and what are they going to do for me? Um, you know, just the other day we had, um, a family member in town, we went and had a lunch and I definitely felt those effects of the food. So knowing that, yeah, once in a while you're going to have a special occasion and you might indulge or eat something off topic um, or off your diet, which is totally fine. You you eat healthy the next day or you get back on track. But I think talking to so many women, and I'm not a nutritionist. I don't don't have that type of scientific background or um, certifications or anything like that. But on a human level, on a girlfriend level, on a person-to-person level, these are topics that I've talked about with my mom, my cousin, my friends, um, other people in my life who are women. And I think what it all comes down to is is learning how to nourish your body in your own specific way, understanding what foods drive you, what foods make you feel really, really good. Um, Ellen, who is a good friend of mine and also an under 30 alum, she is a paleo blogger and we talk a lot about food uh, back and forth. We have very different, I think, diets. I focus more on vegan eating, she's more on the paleo side. Um, But the thing that we love to talk about is, okay, what are things that make us feel really good and and how do we prepare our day so that we have access to these foods? Um, when we're traveling, how do you pack for those things so you're not stuck with the really terrible airplane food that is very suspicious and clearly not a real food source? Um, and when, I think when we, when we, especially as women, start to talk about these topics, you become to realize that these things are normal. Oh, you've had shame around this. I feel shame around this. Oh, you're not judging me. Oh, wait, you're not judging me and I'm not judging you. Then why do we think we're judging each other? And I think those barriers start to break down. No, I, I think that's amazing. Uh, a lot of different things came to mind. One is it's always interesting for me, especially as a man, to observe how people categorize themselves. How people categorize themselves, and I'm not talking about vegan versus paleo, mm-hmm. which we can totally get into. But you looked. You just described a chart of sizes two, four, six, and eight, and you're not a large person, Jen, at all. <laughs> like for anybody listening, Jen looks great. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the way that people yeah. have been uh, conditioned. conditioned is the word I'm looking for to think that mm-hmm. we must appear like these models yeah. uh, or that we can't go to yoga because, oh, that's where all these little skinny bitches go, you know, that's, or, or, and I know men have certain, uh, things around eating Mm -hmm. as well. I used to be obsessed with getting big and strong and muscular, especially when I started my journey into nutrition and fitness at age 15, when I weighed 120 pounds, Mm -hmm. like, 
all my friends hit the big growth spurt and I was a little runt and I wanted to get huge and yeah. be able to play sports and beat people up. Mm-hmm. And that comes with a whole different yeah. uh, set of belief systems and, mm-hmm. and patterns to our thinking. Uh, but yeah, so I wanted to first say that and whoever is listening out there, it's awesome to hear that you are okay with who you are and of course uh you've practiced mindfulness and Mm -hmm. so that you see when your emotions are coming on and okay are they they related to how I feel in my body right now or to the size of the genes that I could fit into Mm -hmm. or whatever it's it's normal human stuff um so I appreciate you laying that out on the table is what I'm trying to say from the very beginning so I, I guess I wanted to ask If someone is sitting, listening to this, and they're about to go on their lunch break, how can they approach and be more mindful Mm -hmm. around what they're going to have for lunch today? Sure. You know, the first step that I started taking was, was, it's so simple, was a food journal. I started writing down what I was eating when, and also tracking how is this making me feel? Am I feeling sluggish? Do I feel energized? Um, I, I don't food journal anymore. I pretty much know what's going to make me feel good when. Um, I think that's such a simple place to start. There's some really good apps on online too that you can download to your phone that help you track these sorts of things. But you, all you need is a journal and a piece of paper and you literally start writing down and you will start to notice these patterns. Um, a big pattern for me that I have recently discovered in the past four months have been eggs. Eggs were a staple in my diet. I would eat two eggs a day every day, and and I just loved putting an egg on pretty much anything I ate. Um, I've noticed since I I took them out of my diet, I did some research because I was going through some health things and really realized that it was causing um, really bad acne on my face. Um, It was making me feel different things that I was not okay with, and I ate eggs last week to try to say, okay, is is this maybe something that has cleared up? And no, my face completely broke out in these red bumps. Um, so when you start when you start to really just take five minutes of your day and say, okay, I'm going to take these five minutes to myself. I'm going to honor myself in this space and be very honest about what you ate. So if you ate a cheeseburger with French fries, write that down. There's no shame. No one is going to read this. No one's going to look at it. Um, and you will start to see patterns. Um, for me, it's definitely dairy, meat, and eggs are foods that do not make me feel great. Um, I definitely feel really good when I'm eating a starch in the middle of the day. It keeps me fuller longer. So a sweet potato, a quinoa, a whole grain rice or something like that. Um, I've known, I've noticed that for myself. I definitely sway on the side of need something a little bit heavier and starchier and maybe a little bit less protein during the day. Um, but that keeps me fuller longer. Um, I've learned to add fast into my diets. That was definitely not something I had done for most of my life. So, you know, and, and play with this. I think a big thing about being an adult is, is learning to play a little bit more. And I think when you go into these moments of of self-exploration, your mindset and how you're going to frame it matters. So if you're thinking about it as I'm going to play with my food, I'm going to try a new um, recipe. I'm going to sign up for a newsletter that's going to send me recipes. I'm going to go to the supermarket and buy something that I don't even know what to do and Google it. That's playtime. That's something for you to become curious about, to play with, to see if you like it, use your hands, um, and even just share it with somebody else. And I think that experience of sharing food, um, I think, is what unites people together in so many ways. Absolutely. And Jen, speaking of using your hands, I wanted to <laughs> ask you, uh, watch the table. Oh, I know yeah, that you're half Puerto Rican and half Italian, <laughs> so you're very animated, and I have to always watch yes. touching the table near the microphone. I even, I even took off my necklace because it clanks a lot, so I will be mindful of the hands. No, that's okay. <laughs> uh, and, and I love that now for you, food is this amazing journey, yeah. is this amazing time in your life mm-hmm. that it's become a hobby of yeah. you, you you thoroughly enjoy going to Whole Love Foods it. and walking every aisle and looking at whatever Everything. new thing that you can <laughs> see or taste or try uh, and it's become a much different relationship with food as as I'm as I'm really uh, similar in that regard mm-hmm. I, I wanted to go back just to uh, what we were talking about, it's really one of my favorite topics about how people put themselves in these camps, yeah. in these boxes, in the 
I am vegan. I am this. And whenever I catch someone saying that, and I try to uh, non-judgmentally, <laughs> okay, I judge them, right? Whatever, fine. But I always think like, no, you're not a paleo, or you're not a crossfitter. You're much more than that. People have such strong identif- identities with these particular diets. And I understand, right? Some people who do consider themselves as vegan really do like to talk about it because they have uh, spiritual beliefs around it that Mm -hmm. they want other people to be exposed to, or it's about not harming animals. And I get that. And Mm -hmm. I think that's great. Right. But when people start to say like, I'm paleo, and when it becomes a religion, yeah. when it becomes uh, dog, dogmatic mm-hmm. towards other people, I think that's where you start to, that's where it's like, oh, oh this person's vegan, I really don't want to talk to them right now about nutrition because I yeah. know it's going to go poorly. And so could you talk a little bit more about how you're so open-minded mm-hmm. to uh, different ideas and also once in a while I find it so interesting that you think that your body does need meat. So yeah, yeah I'm curious about that. Um, this has definitely been a journey. I had, I had a moment, um, actually with Eric, who's also on staff and under 30, we were at dinner and I had made this off comment that, that wasn't very nice about meat. And, and he brought it up to me and, and Eric and I have always been able to talk to each other about some really hard things and really shine a spotlight in, in a really caring way. So I think that's also really important if you have somebody like that, um, in your life to kind of bounce these ideas around and, and really, identify what it is you actually are trying to say versus how you're communicating that. Um, I think food is so personal to each person and whatever it is, whatever camp you choose to live by, whether that's your Whole30, your, your paleo, your vegan, your bulletproof, whatever, whatever your camp is, own that decision, but don't hold yourself to that decision. Don't hold yourself to the fact that if you sway one day or if you go to a wedding and eat totally something off that's not in your diet, life is meant to be enjoyed. And I think food is such a big part of that part of enjoyment. So for myself, I do try to eat vegan as much as possible. I will say that my collagen goes in my smoothie every single morning. Um, that is not vegan. I do use marine collagen. Um, and, and for anybody who doesn't know what collagen is, yes. we're talking about ground up bones from dead animals yes, right now. not vegan <laughs> at all. Um, so the, the marine one is actually the scales of fish. Um, I've also been reading a lot about bone broth um, for several different reasons in my life and have started incorporating bone broth into my diet, which is also powdered bone. They, they, they cook the bones down and they make that, that water into a powder that you can put into other things. Um, my body has done really, really well with those products. I've had other people tell me they haven't done so well with them. Again, it's listening to your body. Um, you know, I have very, very thin hair and I notice that when I'm taking my collagen, my hair has more volume, it's thicker, it doesn't fall out in chunks as much as it does. Um, So that for me works. Once in a while, I will eat a cheeseburger. A few weeks ago, I had this crazy craving for a cheeseburger and I went to a place that serves grass-fed beef and I had a cheeseburger and it was delicious and I haven't wanted meat since. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay saying this is what I'm doing day to day that makes me feel really good and once in a while, I'm gonna, you know, go someplace else with my diet, or I'm going to try new food. I think a big part of the travel lifestyle is trying new foods. Um, I've definitely tried things that I will never try again that are not vegan. Um, and also being very, very open-minded that other cultures, veganism might not be something that is, that is central to their diet. Um, and not bringing my perspective, my experience into another culture to judge or to shame in any way. No, that that's really great. And just in the last year or two, I mean, you've been all over the world staffing for under 30 experiences in Iceland and in Bali. I know that you went on your honeymoon uh, backpacking through Southeast Asia. And that's, it's got to be a hard place to, if you put yourself in a little box and you said, I am a vegan, Mm -hmm. that would be very difficult. Yeah. Uh, Could you, Jen, could you talk a little bit more about, um, maybe why you decided to go after this lifestyle. Yeah. I know that you, you talked about uh, 
more freedom from shame and guilt, Mm -hmm. or maybe we talked about this right before the episode, Uh, but also health reasons that you decided to do this. So people know where Mm -hmm. you're really coming from on this. Sure. So, um, I guess it was, I kind of put myself at 27, 28 at this point. Um, for for a couple of years before that, I was feeling all sorts of, of things. I was really, really tired. I was cranky. Um, I had no sex drive to be very honest. Um, and that is important to the story. And my hair was falling out. I mean, everything was just off on my body. Um, this is just a disclaimer. This is a little graphic, but I, one day was in the shower and I had this intense, um, feeling to have to urinate. And I, I literally thought I was prolapsing in the shower, which means, um, my reproductive organs were falling out of my body. Um, I was new to the city that I was living in. I was living in Raleigh and I called the first OBGYN I could find online and I got in very, very quickly with him with a doctor. Um, this was the first time I had ever had a doctor actually listen to me and not just listen to me, but listen to the things I wasn't saying. And within 10 minutes I was crying. I was telling her all these things. I was, I had so much fear and she said, I think you have a thyroid issue. Have you ever been tested for a thyroid issue? And I said, no, I don't even know what my thyroid is. I don't even know that's a thing in my body. Um, and sure enough, after a lot of testing and all these other things, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is a form of hypothyroidism, which basically means my thyroid is underactive. So the thyroid is a gland that, you know, activate so many different things in in your body from your hair to your sex drive to your weight to your mood. I mean, everything comes back to your thyroid. Um, Up to this point, doctors had said, I think you're just depressed. I think you're overweight. I don't think you exercise enough. And I was exercising and I had my weight in check at that point in my life. And I know what depression looks like and I know I did not have depression. Um, So I got on medication and, you know, several years later to, I'm going to fast forward a few years here. Um, this past this past May, I went for a checkup, and uh, I have a growth on my on my thyroid, which is normal with Hashimoto's, and it did come back as possibly cancerous. And so I went through the biopsy; it, it turned out to not be cancerous. Um, but I took it upon myself in these in these three to four years living with Hashimoto's to say, well, how do the foods affect me? The foods I eat affect me. Um, there's there's a lot of information out there from it being a virus to it being brought on from stress after being sick, um, that it's hereditary. There, there is a lot of information out there, and it's very scary when you're, when you're learning about this. But the one thing that everybody I read about came back to was it's about your diet, um, eating really clean, minimalizing processed foods, minimalizing gluten. Um, there's there's a theory that's coming out, and again, not a doctor, not a nutritionist, but um, that eggs are also part of this um, this inflammation that kind of flares Hashimoto's up. The same with dairy, the same with corn, and lots of other different types of foods. So, um, so I just took it upon myself to start learning about these things and thinking about, um, you know, I'm I'm 32, thinking about do I want to have a child at some point? How do I get my body? prepared uh, women with Hashimoto's have a higher frequency of miscarriage um, when they get pregnant. So how do I reduce those risks so I don't have to go through that? Um, And just really understanding that things like collagen and bone broth are are constantly being brought up as foods um, to eat if you have an autoimmune disease, Um, eating organic as much as possible, limiting processed foods. so it's been a journey and there's been a lot of mistakes and there's been a lot of tears and I've done everything from whole 30 to paleo to vegan. And, and, and this is where I am today. Who's to say in six months in a year where I'll be. Um, but for today, this is where I'm at and this is where I'm, I'm happy to be. This is where I feel like I'm thriving in my body. And I've never said that for the first 31 years of my life. Never been able to say that. That's great. That's, that's fantastic to hear. And uh, I'm also glad that you're looking at everything in a way that is, again, you're not just uh, focused on one religion, one dog, and and it becomes uh, much like spirituality Mm -hmm. in a way where, okay, there are lots of different uh, interesting things that you can borrow from, from lots of different cultures, lots of different points of view, and uh, create your own. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, there's a book called Create Your Own Religion. I believe it's Daniele Boelli, who's been a podcast guest as a fantastic podcast, The Drunken Taoist I was telling you about the yeah. other day. Um, 
but you can borrow things that work for you and you can become then the best version of yourself. Yeah. And so I, I really appreciate that. And I, I wanted to go back to uh, when they were, uh, doctors were just telling you, oh, you must, must just be depressed mm-hmm. or I'm sure people have gone somewhere where they, they didn't feel right. So they went to a doctor and they just told them, Oh, well, try, you know, X or Y, get more exercise yeah, or get more sleep. maybe you should lose some weight or mm-hmm. whatever that they, that they tell you. Um, I'm a huge fan of getting blood panels done so that you can actually quantify your body and see they never suggested that to you. Of course, until you went to this OBGYN, yeah. that's the only way you can tell if your thyroid is mm-hmm. messed up, I assume. Simple blood tests. They just test, I think it's your TS3 levels. The simple, simple test. Yeah, and that's so important. So I just wanted to point that out. If anybody out there is not feeling right, you can quantify this stuff and you can look at your, your range. Uh, there's a great company out there, Wellness FX, which I've had blood panels uh, for uh, through before. Uh, of course, you can see your doctor, but unfortunately, with Western medicine and the way the insurance system is set up and the way the healthcare system is set up, a lot of times you will go in there and ask for something specific because you have an intuition about your body, and they won't they won't order those labs. They won't order those tests for you. Now, you can go to directlabs.com and order them yourself and send them to Quest Labs and get this blood work done. But I have fought it out with doctors and fired doctors because, honestly, because I knew more than they did about these very specific topics. And again, Mm -hmm. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nutritionist, but I know my body, okay? And the things that are important to me. I've researched very, very well at the, uh, through the most cutting edge studies mm-hmm. out there that your general doctor, they don't, they don't know. They don't have yeah. time to read all this stuff about hypothyroidism, for and example. They just don't even have the time. I mean, I read an article and I forget what news source it was that, you know, the U.S. is facing a huge nursing shortage. I'm sure a huge doctor shortage is not going to be far behind. Doctors just don't have the time to provide that level of care that I think so many of us are needing. I think even if you don't have the money for a panel or maybe you don't have the best doctor or whatever, the biggest thing you can do for yourself is advocate for your health. If someone is saying, no, you have this and you feel in your gut, I do not have this. I knew I did not have depression. I knew that's not what was going on with me. I wish I had advocated more for myself. I wish I had said, no, I will change doctors. I will look for another provider. I will do something different. Um, I wish I had had that knowledge at 25, 26 when these, when these symptoms started really, you know, coming up to say, I'm going to advocate for myself and everybody has their own voice. Everybody can advocate for yourself. That doesn't cost anything. Um, if you have access to the internet, you can find out so much information or, or find a support group in your, in your state. I just moved to Austin this weekend. I'm already connected with an Austin thyroid support group who got me information for several different doctors in the area who focus on Hashimoto's. Um, that didn't cost me anything but more than 20, 30 minutes online. So advocate for your help, find your communities, um, and, and just connect with people, share your stories. People, people have gone through what you have gone through and they are out there. I shared with you actually that I was uh, slightly hypothyroid. <laughs> Damn it. The verbs. How do I, how do I, uh, Hypo- j- yeah, use it. <laughs> so, no, I can't. I can't. Slightly uh, leaning towards hypothyroidism, but I don't want to diagnose yeah, yeah. myself because then I, I, because, okay, I got a blood panel mm-hmm. from Wellness FX and it told me, okay, certain levels, like you mentioned T3 and there's reverse T3 yeah. and there's a handful of different ones that I would have to read off the, mm-hmm. the, the labs to me tell too. you what they, what they were, right? I don't talk about this stuff every day. But um, I looked and then I could see things in my diet. I was doing a lot of intermittent fasting, uh, which is, has great health benefits. Uh, but I had also been doing a lot of uh, ketosis where I was just eating a high-fat diet and I was not eating many carbs, only when, really when I was working out. Um, but I was traveling a lot and maybe my stress levels were higher. And 
So I thought, oh, geez, okay, my, my thyroid is not as active as it should be, right? But then I was able to dive in deeper, and then I found a, a doctor who said it's actually quite a nice way to live that my levels, right, were low, what might have been considered a little bit uh, in the direction of hypothyroidism, but they said that's one of the best ways to not get cancer. Uh, And so, yeah, it was really interesting. But the point of all this is that you have to dive in and know about your health. And that's a very small nuance, but you get the labs tested and you see what's going on with your body and then you troubleshoot and then you try to make yourself feel better. And, And this is all because we're trying to feel as optimal as possible, yeah. right? And and yeah, you had you had serious things uh, that you needed to be aware of, and having mm-hmm. a child is no small task yeah. that, that may or may not be in the future for for all of us, right? And mm-hmm. so, um, it's just so important to, for people to take full control of their health yeah. and not rely on somebody just because they have a degree in this stuff, because. They, I'm sure that the doctors care about you, but nobody's going to care more. Nobody's going to take more time than you are learning about your body. It's yeah. your body. You've got to have it for hopefully the next 50, 100 years. So you might as well make the investment. I think that's so important. Yeah, and I just want to tell everybody who's listening that I'm a normal person. I don't have a science background. I didn't really like science classes in high school. Um but I, I found I found sources of content that I really, really enjoy to read that I think are engaging and fun and um, inspiring as well. So you don't have to go all the way so deep and read science textbooks to get to get information. Um, sign up for a couple of newsletters that that you might really like. Do you have some recommendations? Yes. I was going to ask you this before. What yeah. do you like to listen to? I I love Mind Body Green. I think they provide phenomenal content. Um, their newsletters every single day. The founder has been on the Live Different podcast. Very Jason. good stuff. I love that one. Um, I'm also a really big fan of um, a small blog called Peaceful Dumpling. So uh, Peaceful Dumpling is a Monday through Friday and Sunday newsletter that comes out with four articles, all focused on sustainability and vegan eating. Um, and it is it is my five minutes midday break every single day to read that newsletter. It is so wow. inspiring. And it just it's, it speaks to my spirit. Um, so find, find those find those pieces of content that speak to you that will maybe pique curiosity. Um, I have read things and been like, whoa, I want to read more about this. And then I can Google and go down that rabbit hole. But don't feel like you have to jump into these textbooks or these very high level um, conversations or, or, or whatever you want to call them that are over your head and you're using terminology that you don't understand. Um, you don't have to go that way. Don't be fearful of the information. Just start where you think you know would benefit you. I think that's a really good direction to point our conversation because we could nerd out on a lot more science behind this stuff. Um, yeah, but, more so than me. Yeah, <laughs> but you can hang in these conversations. I mean, we have them several times a week. So, I, yeah, I, I know that you got it in. You're being very humble right now. Um, but you mentioned that certain diets, or maybe it's the... Maybe it's just the writing or just the name, Peaceful Dumpling, yeah. right? These things you said speak to your spirit. Mm-hmm. And from my experience, when I began to optimize or as I've continued to optimize, uh, my huge focus, as I'm sure the listeners know by now, has been brain health because my dad has Parkinson's, yeah. because my grandfather has Alzheimer's, um, because that strikes so close to home. But as I've been able to optimize my own uh, neurology, my own body, I felt better and better and then have been able to, you know, as I've practiced meditation, all of a sudden more spiritual uh, things, for lack of a better term, have seemed to come my way and I've gained greater interest in this uh, because as you said it speaks to your spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're feeling good, then you feel more in 
conjunction and with a greater, deeper connection with whatever it is that you do believe in. Have you felt this as well? Yes, I've definitely felt this way. And, and I will say that there are sometimes I read articles or hear people talk about spirituality and the universe and all these things. And I do sometimes still roll my eyes. So absolutely. Yeah. Some of this is still very above me, but, but on a very, very grounded level, I have found that the more I have stepped into my own story, the more I have understood different parts of myself, um, my body, my being, the way I think and view the world. Um, I've had, I have had these moments of like, oh, this is what I should be doing with my career or, oh, I really need to be doing more of this in my life. Um, I think yoga was the starting place for that for me. I, I grew up Catholic. My parents were not very religious, but I did go to Catholic school for 13 years. Um, that never pulled me in one way or another. It was something I learned about and, and that was kind of it. But, um, and I do go through these, these, these ebbs and flows with my yoga practice. Sometimes I will go two or three months and some days or some months I will be going to yoga four or five times a week. So again, it, it's listening to what you need in those moments. Um, if, if, if you are out there and you're thinking, oh, everyone's talking about yoga. Like, what is this thing? What are these down dogs and poses? Like, Put all of that aside, look up restorative, look up yin, and just go. Go and hold yourself in sacred space, um, you know, lie down and, and just, just just hold an hour for yourself on this on this little piece of, of, of mat that that is your whole world for an hour, an hour and a half. And you will start to see that when you just stop and pause and give yourself that space to think. You have all the answers inside of you already, but when was the last time you stopped and thought about those answers or tried to listen to yourself? So don't get wrapped up in the in the yogas and the hot yoga and all these all these things that that you might feel a little iffy about or feel like maybe they're above you. Yeah, intimidated. This is the second time that you've said above you. Yeah. And <laughs> I want to make sure that everybody knows if you feel that people are trying to speak above your head or use language that you really don't get, but it's like some secret code <laughs> that they can feel and you can't, you're probably not in the right place. That's yeah, probably no. not the group for you. <laughs> this is, that is not your tribe. Find your tribe, love them hard. I think that's something on Instagram I see almost every day, but go find your tribe. I mean, these are not things that are very difficult to understand. When people are like, oh, I, I do all these sun salutations, and you're like, what the hell is a sun salutation? Like, that doesn't matter. Your practice is you and your body and your mat and yoga, and that is it. Um, just being there, holding space, breathing. Um, and you can add the down dogs on the cool handstand stuff later, but don't. Yeah, if you want. If or you don't. want, or don't. <laughs> I mean, I don't like doing handstands. I just don't, so I don't do them. And, and that's okay. That's my, that's my personal practice. That is my journey. Um, and whether you're thinking about, you know, you can apply this to anything, to CrossFit, to running, to, to art, to anything that's in your life that you want to have, but you're maybe resistant because everyone else is better or everyone else has these perfect pictures on their Instagram. Like, forget all that. Just go do it for you. Like, feel empowered, advocate for yourself, and go do it. And I love that you use the word clarity because that's what I've felt. Mm -hmm. And... Literally, the things that we talked about earlier, stop, stopping uh, eating the toxins yeah. and uh, the high-carb diets and all these things that will cause brain fog yeah. and sluggishness and depression and these types of things. As I moved past that, I felt more clear and I felt, yes, a deeper sense of intuition because I was able to listen to myself, mm -hmm. right? And sure, I developed a meditation practice, and that's that's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and just the clarity or just the being able to go outside for a second and sit in the sun, as I like to do for 10 minutes outside of the office and put my feet in the grass, and I can sit there and think, wow, isn't this great? Yeah. The sun is literally charging me through my skin mm -hmm. producing this vitamin D that is a pre-hormone that has all the like and there's this massive universe inside our body on yeah. a microscopic level that we don't we can't even begin to understand that's really cool and that's how I mm -hmm. 
have come to see the world and that's okay. And, you know, and that's, that works for me. Maybe somebody is like, well, that sounds like a bunch of stoner mm-hmm. nonsense, but yeah. I like to see the bigger picture and that's what I've been able to connect with, but I've mm-hmm. just gotten more clear and that, that makes me happy. You know yeah, what I mean? Find, find your happy. For me, it's anything with water. Water is my element. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't need to go outside and sit in the sun for 10 minutes, but I need to have a water aspect in my life every single day. So whether that is a shower, a diffuser oh. with mist, something that's water related. That that for me is my my happy place. Maybe it's because I'm an Aquarius, I don't know. Um, oh. But I think everybody has that that happiness where you feel connected, I think, to something bigger than yourself. I'm dying to know now about your experience in Bali <laughs> with the water cleanse temple could you tell everybody a little bit more about that i did not just do it justice no that's fine so um as matt had mentioned luce and i uh, just got back from our retreat in bali and and luce did a really beautiful job of um encapsulating everything in the week with our our final um adventure i'm gonna call it i mean we went to this temple in bali and if you can imagine a beautiful temple in bali but with these like long swimming pool-esque water holders that you literally get into and then there are spouts with different um different meanings for each spout so one was for um you know someone had put a curse or, or a bad eye on you or um there was one that was um only for people who were in mourning to to wash away the death off off of their life um it was i was i did not want to get in the water and i pushed myself to get in the water i i, I had felt a little bit of anxiety coming up in me and i and i pushed my way through it and it was um, it wasn't just cleansing, it was, it was magical in a way to be in this very sacred water that had been blessed with all these other people who were there for their own reasons. Um, and you literally wash yourself. So you, you do three times and you're supposed to put it in your mouth, which I didn't do, but, um, but it was, it was just this beautiful moment of, of being blessed, being in the water, feeling connected to something greater than yourself and also doing it with other people. Um, I always talk about under 30 being a tribe and. We had this little mini tribe on that trip and, and being able to not only facilitate experiences for them that week, but also having this experience for myself and, and experiencing that with them alongside them was um, was pretty impactful. So, yeah, I think I'm still trying to understand what happened to me in that moment. It was definitely one of the most spiritually connecting experiences of my life. I have felt that feeling very few other times in my life. That's that's really cool. It was very cool. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about finding your tribe, mm-hmm. finding community, beyond under thirty experiences, which of course were a, it were an inclusive community rather than an exclusive yeah. community. So you're, if you're listening to this and you're over thirty, you know we're open at twenty one to thirty five. We take anybody, whatever. Uh, but beyond that, yeah. if you're sitting at home in your normal city and you're trying to find your tribe, mm-hmm. do you have advice for people who want to get out of their comfort zone and find other people to connect with? I think the, the first and biggest thing that I can tell people is when you start to go outside of your norm, whether that is your social group, your family, whatever, your city, your town, whatever it is, people will give you pushback. They will say some pretty harsh things. They will question you. They will make you not feel so good. Please pause and realize that that is their projection of their fear onto you, and that is their shit to deal with. That is that is them. You can definitely talk to them in a very kind way. Um, you can show them grace and understanding. You can, again, advocate for yourself and say, this is just something that I need in my life. I am not using this as a way to push you out of my life. But I'm looking to create more space in my life um, for myself. So that that is the first thing I want to say about this. The second thing is start exploring. Um, for me, it was I did a fellowship called Starting Block in 2012. That was the first time the 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 word tribe, I guess, kind of came up in my life. And it was a tribe and it was incredible. And so much of my life has has come out as a result of participating in Starting Block. Can, can you explain what Starting Block yes. is to everyone? So Starting Block is 
it's basically the unconference of entrepreneurship and, and social impact. So it takes really, um, it takes a group of people. I don't know how many people are in their conferences now. Mine was about 50, 60 people. Um, and these are people who are, who are movers and thinkers. So the people who are thinking about social impact, social justice, entrepreneurship, but in a very real way, they're not thinking about how do I make a million dollars with my new, my new startup, but how do I impact a million people with my startup? And of course the money comes into that in, and, and it should, um, but these are the people who are really changing the world. So if you are one of those people, um, look up Starting Block. Um, there are so many other similar things. There's Unreasonable Institute, there's Hive, there's there's Saga, there there's so many. There are co-working spaces in so many cities popping up. Go to a networking event, go talk to people, um, go travel someplace new, um, even if it's not one under 30. Um, just go and, and do something that's outside your comfort zone. You will not only grow as a person, but you will talk to at least one other person who has a really cool story that they want to share with you. Um, and you, you will start to find your tribe. Find find something that's that's active, whether that's yoga or CrossFit or whatever it is, and, and just start going and, and talking to people. You, you will find your tribe. I think the energy that you put out is what you will attract into your life. That's excellent. And... Uh... One of the things that we considered talking about on the podcast is you had emailed mm-hmm. me some some ideas and, and directions that we could go, and yeah. we just kind of, well, well, I always just kind of <laughs> wing it. I mean, I do my research, or I know the person well, and know that we're going to have a nice conversation, yeah. this has been excellent so far. Uh, I wanted to ask you about taking risks, mm. which is kind of the next level okay there's getting out of your comfort yeah. zone and then there's there's a deeper level thinking that oh my god all this could go wrong i mean mm-hmm. look you you just moved across the country actually you technically forget <laughs> across the country you just moved to austin from costa rica which is yeah. across several countries yeah. uh if you were to have driven it there's been a lot of things that you've done in your life, including uh, career changes, mm-hmm. um, traveling all through Southeast Asia, driving your parents a little bit nuts at times, I'm sure. I mean, I know them. Yeah, my dad has white hair because of my traveling. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I have taken a lot of risk. Um, my mom has always said that ever since I was a little kid, I had wings and she always just knew that she had to cultivate that part of me um, because I wasn't going to be the kid who stayed at home and um, moved back home after college. She knew that I was going to be that that kid that, that just went. Um, so I'm really, really grateful for my mom for for cultivating and, and just being so supportive and saying, whatever you want to do, we have your back and you are, you are very supportive. Um, when I went to graduate school for political science, I started in the federal government and now I'm working in a co-working space in Austin. So very dramatic <laughs> change You've there. also been to Africa several times working on very important issues. Yeah. So I, I my career was focused on Africa. So that's, that's kind of where I started. So I, I studied abroad in Ghana when I was a sophomore. I literally kind of missed the deadline for where I wanted to go and was like, oh, where else should I go? And I said, okay, I'll go to Ghana. I don't even know where it is on a map and call my parents. And they were like, and this was pre-Facebook. This was pre-Skype. This was pre-all that kind of stuff that I use now to communicate with my parents. So, you know, there was, there was that. And there was the time I called my parents and I was going on a work trip and I had to have a bodyguard in Kenya. And they freaked out. And I was like, no, it's going to be totally fine. And it was totally fine. Um, but I, I love taking risks. I love seeing my life as, as this experiment of this, okay, if I do this, what's going to happen? Um, if I do this, who am I going to meet? If I do this, what experience am I going to have? I also think a lot about just what do I want for my life? Mark Manson has this beautiful quote in his book about, um, legacies and his actual question is what is going to be your legacy or something very similar to that. And I think when when you take risks, you create that legacy for yourself. You're not just doing the whole drum every single day, um, getting up, doing the rat race. And I and I I've done that, and and I can speak from experience. It's not where I thrived. I was unhappy, and I did stupid things like watch lots and lots of TV that was so bad for me. And I don't even own a TV anymore. It's, it's a very conscious decision I made five years ago, but. 
and I think when you when you take risks, you you welcome things into your life that you would have never otherwise have. So um, I've welcomed new career changes. Um, I have welcomed love into my life. I took a really big risk, and and am now married to I think the most amazing person on the earth. Um, I've met new friends, and and I think through through all of it, it it doesn't matter. You know the social media posts that I'm writing about, or whatever project I'm doing, or the metrics behind it. It's it is those connections, and and it all has come from taking really big risk in my life. That's and, awesome. Yeah, that's and, awesome. And, and I'm so glad to be that type of person. That's that's really cool. <laughs> to to wrap up, if someone listening wants to see their own life yeah. as an experiment. As you so eloquently put it, I've never heard it put that way. That's so, uh, it's probably going to be the title of this, <laughs> this episode. What would you tell them? Just go do something. Do something that is unlike you in a very safe way. Please be safe. But <laughs> go do something that, that, that seems a little bit crazy. Maybe it's, maybe it's going and trying a new recipe that's something that you've never tried before. Maybe it's going on a trip somewhere to a part of the world that you don't understand, but maybe you saw National Geographic and, and fell in love with as a kid. Um, just, just take that one small step. Sign up for a newsletter. Um, look at the content you are looking at. Uh, what is it that you're consuming every single day, and, and does that fulfill you? Um, content is, is huge for me. I, I, like, I like content. I like reading. I like books. Um, change your content a little bit. Um, explore new ideas. Um, I don't know if there's going to be show notes, but I can drop some things in, in, the, in the show notes for this. There will be yes. under30experiences.com slash blog. You can look, look for the Live Different podcast link. But I will, I will share with Matt some, some really cool things that, that have inspired me that, you know, a huge one. Elizabeth Gilbert's first season of Big Magic, her podcast. Um, it's all about artists. I am not artistic, um, but I love that podcast on so many levels about being a woman and being a creator and, and being inspired. Um, that's a risk, listening to new content and, and how is that going to change the way you view yourself and, and how you move in the world. Jen, that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank if you. people want to connect with you, keep in touch follow your journey, mm -hmm. continue to be inspired, where can they connect with you? Yeah, so you can drop me an email at jen at under30experiences.com or you can follow me on Instagram at the art of intentions with an underscore at the end. Okay, the art of, of intentions with an S underscore. underscore. Excellent. Yeah. Jen, you rock. Thank you. Thank you. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed that past episode. If you are looking to put these things into practice, I invite you to come next July to Peru and Machu Picchu with me and my girlfriend, Luz Garcia, a 1500 hour registered yoga teacher for an amazing retreat that we are putting on. If you would like more information, check out under30experiences.com and find yoga and Peru. Uh, we would love to connect with you further. We have some amazing community events coming up on under30experiences.com and no, uh, you don't just have to be under 30 years of age. We are an inclusive community rather than an exclusive community. And finally, if you are on the same mission as I am, I would love if you shared this episode with a friend, a friend who needs it. If you can support uh, this podcast, that would mean a whole lot to me. Share it, subscribe, leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I would love if you even did it just a little justice and give it a like on our new YouTube channel. Those type of things go a long way in helping other people find great content that is going to help them live happier, healthier lives. So thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. If you'd like to connect with me, feel free to email me. Give me some feedback, matt at under30experiences.com or hit me up on social media, Matt Wilson TV on just about any social platform. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks.